you think that indoor farming can't scale? Well, take a look at this interview where I talk to Chris from Farm Box Foods because just one of their container farms can produce 400 to 450 pounds of gourmet mushrooms in just a single week, every week of the entire year. And that's one of the amazing benefits of indoor farming is that these crops can be grown year round. It doesn't have any of the other disadvantages of being outdoors like droughts or floods or insects. These are all positive reasons for indoor farming, but make sure you stay tuned to this entire episode to see exactly how farm box food is doing something unique with their recycled container farms to truly scale indoor farming production to a commercial level worldwide. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. Chris, do you mind telling us a bit about Farm Box Foods and what you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So what we do is we build indoor farms. So we take upcycled insulated shipping containers and we outfit them with all of the electrical, plumbing, sensor technology needed to grow food at scale. And we work with not only nonprofits, but multiple different industries. And we've been around for about five years or so, and we're still trying to get our name out there. So I really appreciate you having us on. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to have you guys on today. It's going to be a really great conversation. I love what you guys are doing with indoor farms. So indoor farms have been booming a lot recently in so many different areas, but I really like how you have upcycled the shipping containers. And where did that stem from? Where did you guys come up like, oh, let's take these shipping containers. What was the idea behind that? Yeah. So it started out as the idea five years ago was to do affordable housing inside shipping containers. Our founders realized pretty quickly that there were a lot of rules as far as international building codes, a lot of obstacles in the way. And there were already a lot of people in that space. On the outside of these shipping container homes, we had a little hydroponic garden, decided to bring that hydroponic garden inside and basically use the entire unit to grow food at commercial scale. Really good decision. It's treated us really well. We're in a fantastic industry right now that's growing really quickly. So it's a big fun space to be in right now. And I think we've got a bright future, I hope here. Definitely. That's cool. And so inside of the indoor farm that you have, do you have a lot of technology that's inside of there too? What are you using to be able to help the plants grow the best way possible? Yeah, so we control the climate inside each of these containers, and we do that with a software system and hardware from Agrotech, and they build systems specifically for indoor farms. So that system right there enables us to control the temperature, the humidity, the watering schedule, the lighting schedule, the nutrient concentration, even the pH balance of the water that we're using. And so basically the sensors are reading the room and basically the automation kicks in if the temperature gets too high or the humidity gets too high dehumidifier kicks on. So it really reduces the labor that's involved with farming. So we estimate around 15 to 20 hours per week to run one of these farms. One of our indoor farms, the vertical hydroponic farm grows the equivalent of about two and a half acres worth of farmland every year. Wow. That's impressive. And in the indoor farms, is it mostly just on the walls or how is it set up inside? Just to give us an example of one of them. I know you have multiple of them. So just 
one of them so we can picture, especially for those of us that are listening to the audio version, like how can they picture what the inside of one of these units looks like? Yes. So if you picture a shipping container on a large ship, that's essentially what it is. So it's a 40 foot long shipping container, nine and a half feet tall, eight and a half feet wide. And these are insulated shipping containers. So not all shipping containers are insulated. We specifically seek out these insulated shipping containers. That is what enables us to control the temperature within the unit. And then also put them into areas where they might have a warm climate or a cold climate. And we're essentially able to keep that out and maintain a constant temperature, constant humidity. Yeah, definitely. That's great. And are the plants and everything are along the walls? How much like space do you have to move around? Yeah, in our vertical hydroponic farm, we have about 900 cubic feet of space. And we have three dual-sided grow walls, and these are movable grow walls. So essentially, vertical farming is using the available space from floor to ceiling. So our customers, they're trying to use as much of that space as they possibly can to grow as much food as they possibly can. We are the manufacturer of these containers. But yeah, outside of the three grow walls, you have full-spectrum LED lights as well as a wall of full-spectrum LED lights in the middle. So mimicking that sunlight, giving them the full spectrum of what sunlight would normally give, we find that we get a healthier plants and higher yields of plants as well by using that full spectrum LED set. And we also have a three-tiered seed table in there. So that's where you start out the plants. You plant the seeds inside these plugs, and that's where they stay for the first about two weeks of their life. Let the root system grow out a little bit before we transfer them into the grow walls. So the entire farm that we build as far as the vertical hydroponic farm is seed to harvest all within this 320 square foot space. Wow, that's amazing. And so I was interviewing another person on the podcast who does uh, lots of vertical farming with algae. And so they use a red and blue oh yeah, together instead of the full range. Can you program the lights to be different colors versus the full spectrum or just the full spectrum? Yeah, the full spectrum is what we use. We find that it provides the higher yields, the healthier plants, the deeper purples, and the red butterhead lettuce. We know that our competitors use the red and blue lights, which it seems to work for them, but we prefer full spectrum LEDs because, again, it mimics what the sunlight provides. We want to get it as close to what you find in nature as possible while taking all those variables the weather impacts out of play with it being an enclosed container. So you don't have to worry about a hailstorm taking out your entire crop. You don't have to worry about a heat wave or a freeze or drought affecting your crops. This enables you to grow food year round because we're controlling that climate within the container. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you guys have three different types of container farms so far. Can you go through those types of farms and what you guys grow in them? Absolutely. Yeah, our first product was the vertical hydroponic farm, which I've been talking about here. So in that farm, you're able to grow, as I said, about two and a half acres worth of farmland every year. So it's about 680 plants that you're able to harvest every week. And we grow on a staggered schedule. So you're able to harvest every single week. And in there, we're able to grow a bunch of different types of leafy greens like kale, cabbage, and lettuce, but also cherry tomatoes, a full range of peppers, culinary herbs, edible flowers, microgreens. And there's a lot of stuff that we're experimenting with still. We spent about two years on research and development trying to figure out what grows in here, what doesn't grow in here. And so when we're providing the technology, the farms to the people, we're also providing that knowledge on how to grow. So if a customer buys a farm from us and they say we want to grow red butterhead lettuce, we want to grow basil, and we want to grow cherry tomatoes all within the same unit, we provide them with the step-by-step -step process on how to do that, exactly what temperature those plants like, exactly 
the watering cycle that they like. So people aren't having to figure that out for themselves. That's one of the benefits of, of spending time to get it right in the first couple of years that we were a company, because we can then impart that knowledge to our customers and make sure that they're successful from the get-go. Yeah, definitely. That's great. And you also have a mushroom facility too, right? Yeah, we do. So our second farm was a gourmet mushroom farm. So again, it's a start to finish cultivation farm. The only one in the world that we're aware of where you're able to do the entire process from start to finish. So that includes your substrate mixing. So we're using soybean hulls and hardwood pellets as our substrate. And we have a ribbon mixer in there. We have a HEPA lab. We have steam cabinets to pasteurize the mixture. We have an incubation room and then we have a fruiting chamber. So the entire process takes place within that 320 square foot farm. And we're able to grow about 18 different varieties of gourmet mushrooms. So everything from oysters to lion's mane to reishi, you name it, a lot of the ones that are really popular in the vegan restaurants as meat replacements. If you're growing blue oysters, for example, you're able to grow about 400 to 450 pounds per week in one of those boxes. So it's a very high yield, it's commercial scale. Some of our customers include grocery stores and restaurants that need that four or 500 pounds of mushrooms every week. We're really just trying to get those out there into the world. We have about half a dozen out there right now. And then this last year in 2022, in the fall, we released Fodder Farm, a hydroponic fodder farm. And fodder is essentially a wet hay for livestock. So it feeds cows, horses, sheep, alpacas, chickens, rabbits, a whole range of livestock. And really what it does is it provides farmers and ranchers with control over their own feed supply. So this fodder is a nutritional supplement, really high in protein, and it is a very high yield farm that we've built. So again, using every available inch of space within there to grow as much as we possibly can. This farm yields about 850 pounds of wet hay every single day. It's about three tons per week. So. If you have say 20 horses and 10 cows on your property, you're able to feed them every day with this fodder. So with beef cattle, for example, you're upping the weight of the beef cattle before they're going off to slaughter. For dairy cows and goats, you're improving the quality of the milk that comes from those animals. There's a range of benefits, but really it improves the overall health of these animals, improves fertility rates, reduces illness. And again, like I said, it provides the ranchers and farmers with full control over their feed supply. One of the things that we saw during the pandemic was the supply chain breaking down and suddenly these farmers weren't able to get the hay that they're used to having. So there was a big scramble, get hay into these states from South Dakota, Texas, some of the states that are large producers of hay. Essentially what we're trying to do is provide hyper-local production and make it as easy as possible on these farmers and ranchers. One of these hydroponic fodder farms takes only about three hours of labor per day. So every single day you're harvesting and you're seeding. Again, you're harvesting about 850 pounds per day. So it's, wow. it's a pretty insane output. You have to see it to believe it. And if you're ever in the Denver area, I'd love to give you a personal tour of these farms to really demonstrate oh, yeah, what they awesome. do. Yeah, we've got all three of our farms, all three types of our farms in Sedalia, Colorado, which is about 20 minutes south of Denver. and these are our operating farms. So we are not farmers per se, we are the manufacturers of these farms, but we mm -hmm. operate these three farms to demonstrate that they do exactly what we say they do. So when somebody's interested in purchasing a farm, we're able to bring them through these farms and show them, here's the yield, here's the process and really get their full buy-in on this. It's a ton of fun to figure out what these farms can do. And we're just scratching the surface on applications for these things. Yeah, definitely. There's so much potential there. That's really awesome. And who have been your biggest 
people to use the different, obviously the fodder is for farmers, but who else has been really into buying these different units? Yeah, so we're in several different types of industries right now. We're in education, we're in hospitality, we're in the restaurant industry, we're in the grocery industry, and a handful of others. So to give you an example, the grocery industry. So we have partnered with Natural Grocers, which is based here in Colorado. They have, I think, 160 locations nationwide. So they came up with a pilot program to essentially drop one of our indoor farms behind their store in Lakewood, Colorado, which is their flagship store. And what they're doing is they're growing all of the lettuce and culinary herbs that they sell in the store. They're growing it 80 steps away. So that is the benefit of this hyper-local food production. You can drop one of these farms in a parking lot and it takes up five parking spaces. So it doesn't take up a whole lot of room and you're getting vegetables that are as fresh gets. So growing them 80 steps away from the display case means that when people are going into this grocery store and they're buying their leafy greens, they're usually harvested within the last 24 hours. So that means it's, again, very fresh. It has this entire shelf life intact. So instead of spending four or five days on a truck or in a distribution center getting to its destination, instead of spending hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars on fossil fuels to get the food from point A to point B, we enable people to grow right where the consumer is. So Natural Grocers came up with this plan, which I think is genius, to launch this program. And they're expanding to another store here within Colorado with another one of our vertical hydroponic farms because I've had so much success. That's just one example. Another customer of ours is Centura Health, which is a hospital group here in Colorado. They have a food security initiative. So their idea is to provide access to communities that traditionally don't have access to nutritious food, so food deserts and really try to treat the entire community and provide that access that keeps people out of the hospital and keeps them from acquiring those chronic illnesses. It's really about providing that access. So Centura Health was actually one of our very first customers. They bought three of our vertical hydroponic farms and they're using them to feed the patients and the visitors in their hospitals, but also filling the food banks in the communities. Wow, that's that's amazing. And like you were mentioning about the grocer, you can't get any fresher than 80 steps away. There's just no comparison. So that's just, that's amazing. It's giving them yeah. control over their supply as well. So that was another thing we saw in the pandemic was the grocery stores and the restaurants suddenly weren't able to get the stuff that they were used to getting. Natural grocers said, we don't need to do that. We can control our production of these leafy greens and make sure that we have a steady supply year round of these veggies that are really popular with their customers. Yeah, that's awesome. And where else do you kind of see this going beyond farmers and the hospitals? Do you see any other goals you're looking into? You haven't reached yet, but you're excited for? Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity in, say, the cruise industry. So when you're setting sail for three weeks, where are you getting your fresh veggies from? So not only using them for food production on those ships, but also using them as a tourist attraction. So bringing the people that are on that cruise ship through and saying, this is where your salad is coming from tonight. So it's kind of a dual use. That's what one of our customers here in Colorado, Sea Lazy U Ranch, it's a 103 year old dude ranch, and they have a huge sustainability mission. So they wanted to take control over their food supply. So they brought one of our vertical hydroponic farms up into the mountains and they are bringing their guests through. And again, saying this is where your salad's coming from. And they combine that with the experience of creating your own dressings, your own vinaigrettes and stuff. So it's really an interactive space for people to interact with the food that they're eating there. So it's a pretty cool idea. So we see a lot of opportunity in the hospitality industry. Sea Lazy U Ranch is our very first customer in the hospitality industry, but we feel like a lot of hotels and resorts could really get a lot of mileage out of these 
container farms. Yeah, definitely. People are really interested in seeing, oh, where does my food come from? They're interested in like walking through and being able to see that. So that's really cool. I know there is a museum or where was I? Somewhere I was on like, there was a whole ride where they were showing us, we were walking through, they had the whole vertical farm. They're like, oh, this is where all of our cherry tomatoes and everything that we use in our salad. This all comes from these plants that we're growing right here on site. Exactly. Uh, it's a big thing. Tourists will love to see that and are interested in seeing places can be more sustainable. So I think that's really awesome. Absolutely. And so you talked about these containers that you're upcycling for these units. Where are you receiving those containers from? Like, where do you source them from? A little bit of everywhere, actually. We are fortunate enough that our CEO, Rusty Walker, has been in the shipping and logistics industry for 30 years. So he's got contacts throughout the world. So we're sourcing them from a little bit of everywhere. As I mentioned earlier, we're seeking specifically those insulated shipping containers to be able to keep out the cold or keep out the heat, maintain that constant climate within the unit. We get them wherever they're available. The vast majority of the shipping containers that we use have been around the world a couple of times. They have the dings and the dents to show for it, but those dings and dents don't impact what happens inside the container. It's essentially giving these shipping containers a new life and that's growing food. Instead of them ending up in a landfill or a scrap heap, we're giving them a new purpose. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you mentioned on your website too, that you guys are looking to scale around the world and really have these shipping container indoor farms be provided to many different places, including third world countries where you can have these indoor farms just plopped down and then they can provide food sustainably. What is your guys' plan for expansion? So it's a lot of outreach to the, those areas, food deserts in particular, where there's a lack of access to nutritious food. Island nations is where we see a lot of potential for these things because on islands, a lot of times what you find is very rocky soils, very sandy soils. So they're not very fertile soils. So what happens is the vast majority of food that is consumed on islands, about 90, 95% of that food is imported in. So what that does is it increases the price significantly and diminishes the quality. So when you're growing right there on the island, with our farms, with our container farms, you're essentially adding acreage to the island specifically for the purpose of food production. That's pretty cool. We've already landed in Tahiti. We're in Jamaica. We've got two farms in Canada. We've got one that's heading to Grand Cayman here in about a month or so. So just expanding that reach and demonstrating, here's how these people are using it and here's why they're using it. But as far as preparing for that global launch, we have partnered with a billion dollar manufacturer called RK Industries. So specifically one of their divisions is uh, RK Mission Critical. So they have 140,000 square foot manufacturing plant out near Denver International Airport. So we're able to grow at scale. So if we get an order for say 20 or 30 container farms, they're able to churn those out within about two months or so. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, that was my next question was like, how fast can these be produced? But that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah we generally tell people about 120 to 180 days. And that sometimes depends on material sourcing that sort of stuff. But generally that's the window that we look at about four to six months or so. Yeah, definitely. And where do you kind of see the industry of like indoor farming and everything like that going in the next few years? It's still growing. There's a lot of people that have never heard of farming inside shipping containers, kind of just getting the word out there and getting people's buy-in. I was one of those people almost two years ago now, I was a news reporter doing a story on Farmbox Foods, interviewed the CEO, Rusty Walker, 
hit it off with him. We had an hour long conversation. By the end of that conversation, I was like, you guys are really onto something here. And he said, come on out and see what these things are like. Come take photos for your story. And I got offered a job on the spot and it was an immediate yes, because I see what this company is doing. Their hearts are really in the right place. So we call ourselves a for-profit mission-driven company. So really trying to get with those businesses and nonprofits that have food security in mind. That's really where we see our role in the world is providing food security in places that either don't have arable land to be able to grow food or very short growing seasons. Like I said, just a lack of access to nutrient dense food, trying to get them into those areas. So it's really just building awareness out there among the population. What's really cool about my job is I get to bring people on tours of our operating farms south of Denver here. And a lot of times we have field trips, students of all ages that come in and what never gets old is the reaction. When people first step into the farm, it is this wow factor. When they see the lights, when they smell the plants, it really is pretty stunning. It becomes real when you see it there. It's really just trying to get, again, our name out there, our technology out there and demonstrating to various different industries and various different nonprofits, here's how you can use these farms. So it's not just food production, it's also educational. So you can use one of these farms and one of our customers is they're using it as a workforce development hub. So they are training the next generation of urban farmers within this unit. It's like a teach a man to fish, teach a woman to fish thing where you teach 10 people and then they go out and teach another 10 people and it gets exponential from there. It's not just the educational component, but it's also providing jobs for the communities that these land in. So say we're going to a low-income community, a community in need. So it's you're not just getting that hyper-local, year-round food production. You are getting the educational components. You're bringing classes in there to introduce them to alternative, low-water usage ways of farming and then providing jobs for people within that area as well. So it's people to not just run the farm, but do marketing, build a business plan. There's so many different elements that these farms touch that they can have a really big impact on the communities that we land in. So that's really what we try to demonstrate to people is these aren't just food production, they're ancillary benefits that come with them. Yeah, definitely. And several years ago, you wouldn't even think about, oh, if you were living in an urban area or trying to think about, oh, I could I become a farmer kind of thing is that's really difficult because you have to go and purchase all of this land. If you don't have the knowledge, you didn't come from a family that far, like how do you even begin that? But with these units, you guys can really allow people to start a business in farming, start a business in agriculture without having to do that huge, oh, I'm going to purchase this thousand acre piece of land or something like that. Yeah, agriculture tends to be in our country a generational thing. So it's passed down from generation to generation. Things have become really tough for traditional farmers these days to the point where some people are actually dissuading their children from continuing the family tradition being in farming just because it's so difficult. There's water considerations, the water conservation, there's the land considerations. Yeah, you make a really good point. How do you get into farming if you grew up in a city and you didn't grow up in that environment? You don't have land, you don't have the equipment. That's a big hurdle to get over. It costs a lot of money to buy 10, 20, 50 acres of land to farm. Then you have to buy all the equipment. A combine, for example, runs about $300,000, $400,000 by itself. And then there's the knowledge. A lot of times when you grew up in farming, you learn that stuff as you're growing up. But if you grew up in a city, how do you gain that knowledge? So that's really where we come in is that lower price point, making sure that people have the ability to become a farmer if they want to by providing 
not just the equipment to do it, but the knowledge to do it as well. Yeah. And I think that's so key is you're not just saying, here you go, here's the unit, do what you will with it. You exactly. Also have trading around it. Here, this is what you can do to be profitable in this area, or this is what you can do to do well with these plants. Like being able to have that step-by-step -step and have that hand-holding if they need it to be able to go in and just really be successful with it is really awesome. And then for people who are farmers currently, like you mentioned the people who have horses or cows and things that are ranch ideal, being able to provide fodder for them, like these can be secure ways of creating that supply that they need versus having an entire land that they have to be worried about diseases or droughts or all these other things that they have to consider with a, an outdoor farm versus indoor farm, we, you can take a lot of that away, which is... There are a lot of variables in traditional farming. That's one thing that we always try to tell people is we're not here to compete with traditional farmers. We're here to supplement what they're doing. We're fortunate enough to have been embraced by the farming community in Colorado. We're members of the Colorado Farm Bureau. We're actually going to be on the cover of their quarterly newsletter that comes out here oh, within nice. the next week or so. And then we also sit on the board of the Douglas County Farm Bureau as well, which is where we're based. So really getting that buy-in from an industry that maybe isn't used to ag tech, but seeing that it enables them to grow during the off season, that it takes out some of those variables that may take out their crops. Drought, like you said, is a big consideration for farmers right now. How do you get around not having enough water for your crops? One of the things that we've tried to do is make these farms as water efficient as possible. So our vertical hydroponic farm, for example, uses only about five gallons of water per day to grow all of those wow. plants. So it is very wow. water efficient. And the way that we're able to do that is we're capturing the water, then we're filtering it through a reverse osmosis system and we're recycling it back through our grow tubes. And then any discharge that we're putting off, we don't use any pesticides. So any discharge that we're putting off isn't contaminating the groundwater. So it's a very eco-friendly way of farming and getting as much as we can out of every drop of water that we can. Yeah, definitely. That's just such an amazing benefit of having these indoor farms is just being able to control the amount of water that you're using. You don't have to use as much because you can control that the climate in there is not as, doesn't get as hot where it's going to evaporate all that water as well. So these are really big creations. This is really awesome. And where do you guys see farm box foods going in the next six months? In the next six months, that's a good question. There's a lot of opportunity out there getting into new industries and growing our presence in the industries that we're in. One of our big focuses right now is on education. So getting these on school campuses, we actually just dropped one of our vertical hydroponic farms at a school campus in South Carolina. It's called the Governor's School of Science and Math. So it's for 11th and 12th graders out in South Carolina. And they're not even using it for food production. They're using it as a hands-on engaging classroom. So they are bringing the students in there and they're turning up the humidity and turning down the temperature and seeing the impacts of the plants and basically providing the kids with the ability to problem solve. What does this plant look like? What does this plant need? Does it need more water? Does it need less water? So really providing that engaging hands-on classroom activity, instead of it coming out of a textbook, you're actually giving these kids practical experience in a new industry. And what's really cool is we're at a point now where science and tech have come together to enable people to grow food at scale. And because the younger generations are so familiar and so comfortable with technology, there's this feeling of empowerment that they get. And that's one of the things that I see when I'm bringing these field trip groups through is the kids suddenly see, maybe I can make a difference. Maybe one person can make a difference because one person working full-time 
40 hours a week can run two of those vertical hydroponic farms and grow the equivalent of about five acres of land pretty much anywhere in the world. So it really is putting power in the hands of the next generation. Something that we're really big on and getting this technology in front of the kids now so they understand the potential impacts of it. Yeah, that's amazing. If the next generation is where we have to go to really be able to see what the future is going to be like for making a more sustainable world. And I think being able to expose them to what's out there so that they can know how to take that and expand on it from there is super important and also very exciting because I think the future is looking very good for where we need to go. And I think it's an exciting time if we just make sure that we need to do the work that we're already doing and keep expanding on it. So I think that's really great. And what is one tip that you might give another ecopreneur here on the show who might be listening or one tip that you would give about business in general or ideas that you have? Number one, I would say do your research. Number two, I would say become friends with the community that you're trying to get into. So we are really fortunate to be in a space of innovators. There's a lot of people that are trying to do good things in the world. So to be part of that group, part of that ecosystem is fantastic. We've learned a lot from other people that are not just within this industry, but just in sustainability oriented businesses in general, and getting to know what people are doing, how they're doing it, how they're making an impact and how they're conveying that impact to the public. And I would say that that's very important for whatever industry you're about to get into, make friends with them in that industry and be willing to learn, be willing to admit what you don't know and be willing to build upon your foundation and look forward to what the potential is. That's one of the things that we do at Farmbox Foods is we're trying to improve. We're trying to see what grows in these units. One of the things that we've developed recently is a prototype of a new grow tube that's a wider diameter. So that enables us to grow some of the larger rooted vegetables like carrots and beets. It's really expanding that nutritional palette of the food that comes out of our farm. So constantly seeking that, what's the next step? What is the next big thing that we could be doing? And how do we get this into the hands of people that can really make a difference? That's really exciting. And I fully agree with you being able to find that community and be willing to learn. One of the big points that I wanted to create this podcast for was to say lots of times we get very siloed into the work that we're doing in the one industry that we are doing it in. But if you can take some ideas from another and bring it into your industry in a new way that nobody really thought of before, that can be huge. You can completely change the way the industry is going. So it's really exciting to be able to spread more knowledge out there about what everybody else is doing so that you can pick and choose the ideas that are really useful to you. So I think that's super important. And what are you currently learning right now? So we're learning a little bit of everything. Again, it's a constant learning experience for us. It's just more experimentation with different types of plants. But we're also learning, I talked about the education space and getting these farms on school campuses. What we're developing right now is a curriculum to go with our farms, enabling schools to plug and play. You essentially drop one of these off on a school campus and we already have a curriculum that fits in with the current either science or technology or whatever it might be, STEM schools, charter schools that are talking about these sorts of things. I'm building a curriculum around that to really help the kids understand what these things do and the potential impact that they have. That's great. And if anybody would like to reach out to you guys, learn more about what you're doing, what is the best way that they can get in touch? Yeah, they can go to our website. It's www.farmboxfoods.com. We're also on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. We're a little bit everywhere. LinkedIn as well. We try to have a big out there. And then people can call us as well to find out a little bit more. We're at 800 946 
1723. People can also email me directly. I'm chris at farmboxfoods.com. We're absolutely happy to answer people's questions and satisfy that curiosity that's out there. If people are in the Denver area and they're interested in maybe purchasing one of our farms, we're happy to bring them through on a guided tour as well. So feel free to reach out to us at any time. Definitely. Great. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on to Green Business Impact. I'm super excited that we were able to have you on, learning more about how you guys are taking and upcycling these shipping containers into indoor farms. It was really awesome having you on. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Billy. I appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this interview with Chris and Farmbox Foods and how they are creating indoor farming solutions at a commercial scale, I invite you to check out this interview with Carbon Book. They are helping indoor farmers assess and reduce their carbon footprint because although there are many water conservation benefits to indoor farming, sometimes the carbon impact stacks up and can make indoor farming have 10 times the carbon footprint of traditional agriculture. So make sure you check out this interview with Carbon Book. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in launching your own podcast to make an even larger impact on the world, then look no farther than the podcasting platform that I use here to launch every single episode of Green Business Impact, Podbean. I searched through all the different podcasting platforms out there and the best choice by far was Podbean. They give you truly the best value and all the resources you need to spread your message to the world by easily connecting you to all the different podcasting networks like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of them. And they give you so many resources and opportunities to monetize it as well. So if you are on the fence about which podcasting platform to go with, make sure you check out the link in the description below to register your podcast with Podbean. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.